We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner, and you're co-host of Empirical Investing. Today I have, as usual, my trusty sidekick, Ethan Broga, <laughs> certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning. That's right. He's not your average uh, Joe. Hey, Ken, how's it going? Good, good. This show is designed to teach you prudent techniques um, on investing and financial planning, and our objective with the program has always been to give back. We've been very fortunate to be in this industry, Ethan, as you know, and uh, feel very lucky, and uh, we're very devoted to helping people make smart decisions, and and for us to be able to provide that in a conflict-free zone, if if we can call it that, uh, to the best of our ability. To trademark that. Yeah, like what you're saying, you're entering the conflict-free zone here. Like the no-spin zone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's always conflicts, but uh, we're trying to to minimize those and put the client's interest first whenever we can. And we do that by not selling products or being on a commission or paying different commissions to products higher levels. Um, some of the things that have gone on in the traditional wirehouse environments, brokerages and banks, yep, and um, all that kind of jazz. We uh, work entirely on our professional levels advisors on a fee only basis so we either do hourly planning or we do a, a, a specific fee schedule to manage assets with no other agenda behind that mm-hmm. you grow your assets and uh, we all benefit together we're on the same side of the table we don't get paid for any investment products that we we utilize uh, or any of the financial planning solutions do you like that Ethan? No, I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a good thing and um, in our view. So if you are a individual investor out there and you're looking for an advisor like that, uh, we've got a lot of, lot of credentials, a lot of experience, and, and, and we are on your side of the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're an advisor who, who would like to work with an established company that can help you grow a practice just like the one we work in and have been lucky enough to work in. 
So uh, we did this program, Ethan, as I was saying, as a way to kind of give back and educate. And uh, if we can help some people along the way or connect to, to you, that's great as well. So, anywho, do you want to give out our contact information? Sure. Let's do it. No problem. Uh, we can be reached via email at contact at empiradio.com, or you can reach us right here in the Seattle office directly at 800 923 4307 and just ask for Ken or Ethan and mention the radio show and we'll be happy to speak with you. Great. We'd love to get uh, questions you have. Any any financial decision you're weighing out, please shoot us a, an email or give us a call and leave us a message. Give us your name and uh, town and we'll, we'd love to read that as well on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we, we still will do the questions and we have one for today, Ethan, on the show. We want to talk about a a uh, question that you've received, and I have more than once, but um, it's come up again recently, so we thought we'd address it. Yep. Um, we'll go over that. And um, before we do, we wanted to follow up from last week's program. Right. And uh, we were talking about, uh, at the end, the uh, the idea of the, the yields being very low out in the market. You were doing the market recap where we were here today. That's right. Market's down today. Today's Wednesday, uh, one day in advance of this the airing. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, yeah, that's the news on the the word on the street. Anyway, that's that's the word on the street around the they, campfire, huh? I don't know if they can nail it down to that exact thing, but uh, that's what the headlines read anyway. Well, um, that being as it as it as it may, uh, I'd like to talk about why we don't on on today's show, Ethan. I'd like to cover. Why we don't get too excited about the day-to-day news, if we can work that in. Okay. But we wanted to follow up from, from last week's conversation about yields, and I was saying at the end of the show, hey, there's rather than just jump out of treasury bonds, for example, or CDs that are yielding very low and going to the highest yielding instrument you can find, there might be a logical framework that you and or your advisor should work together to to look at that yield decision in the context of a globally diversified portfolio mm-hmm. and what would be the prudent steps a person could take to wind up in a in an approach that that gives them the best combination of risk and return right so we'll talk about that okay then we'll go into the client question then we'll talk about uh uh if we can squeeze it in i don't know if there'll be enough time I'm not sure but if we can then i'd like to talk about uh what was that other item the uh, day-to-day news and why day-to-day news. You know. Why why we're not we're not making massive uh, changes on a on a day-to-day basis, right? And why that really should be the smallest amount of an investor's time spent, particularly when so many of us don't have financial plans or a sound investment strategy. Why are we wasting time reading daily news about markets and economies? And it's kind of crazy. Yeah, particularly if you're doing that and trying to, you know, adjust your portfolio on a day-to-day basis or even weekly basis based on that type of stuff, I don't know how uh, that's not going to be very profitable, probably. Right. Alrighty then. <laughs> little Jim Carrey. Well, that being said, um, so last week we were yeah. talking about yields and, and how incredibly low they are, and I don't know if you have the data right now on the Treasury season. I bet I do. Hang on a second. Okay. Yeah, it's fi- right here. At your fingertips. I have it right here. Your fluttering fingertips. That's right. <laughs> uh, lightning quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. You got the... Uh, <laughs> The three-month Treasury. Come on. You ready for this? Forget about it. A whopping 0.01%. That's right. And if you go out another additional three months to six months, you get a 0.03%. Holy mackerel. Uh, the two-year Treasury today, holy mackerel, 
0.17% yield. 0.17? That's what it says here. Can't, I almost can't believe that number. Five-year, 0.89. Oh. Ten-year, 2.13. I agree. So 2.13, huh? So those are, I guess, you, what you would normally, bef- before the downgrade, uh, be, you know, the risk-free rates <laughs> of uh, the treasuries <laughs> going across the board there. Right. So 30-year at uh, 3.1, 3.5%. 30 years, 3.5% yield. Yeah, obviously very, very low. Uh, incredibly low, in fact. I can see why people are looking for for other alternatives to, to boost up yields. Right. Well, if we look at uh, a high-yield fund, uh, Ethan, we were saying, I was saying last week, and I want to follow this up, that, well, you certainly could just say, forget the treasuries. I'm going into the high-yield so I'm just going to pull on the ice shares while we speak. That's how, how fresh and live the show is, Ethan. Um, <laughs> we do very little pre-planning. Um, that's not true. Oh, okay. We do a lot of pre-planning. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's um, true either exactly. But but if you go to the high-yield corporate bond fund, um, I don't know if, the, if I can find the yield on that. Uh, there's the IBOX high-yield corporate bond fund. And certainly... You know, we were just talking about this before the show. When someone's going to go to a strategy that we normally don't recommend, right? we try to take the most empirical approach to the, the problem at hand. So sometimes clients call and say, hey, I, I want this or that in my portfolio. And we say, okay, well, let's go through the research. And why didn't we include it on our own? Because if it's good, we certainly want to include it, right? No question. Why don't we have 50% of our, our bond portfolio just automatically in high yield bonds, uh, when treasuries are yielding so low, you know, Ethan, you know, why why wouldn't we do that? I don't know. It seems attractive. You have uh, you know the yields are much much better. Is there something else we should be considering besides just the yield? Yes, there may be. And I'm just I found it. The average yield to maturity is eight point one one percent on that I box. The thirty uh, day SEC yield is seven point eight four percent. Right. Um, significantly higher, right, than than the Treasury. Yeah. But they wouldn't be perfect substitutes. I mean, while they're both bonds, um, you know, orange may be a fruit, apple may be a fruit. They're not exact fruit. They're not substitutes for one another. You can't make orange juice out of apples. No, but if you mix them together, I bet that's a tasty little treat. Might be good. And that's what we're talking about is, well, why wouldn't we do that? Well, hey, if you look at that uh, fund, um, there were the, the reason why you would have bonds in the portfolio in the first place, you have to start to ask yourself that. Um, and most of the pretty bright guys out there that uh, have done some academic research on this, is it comes to a, a function of if you were just purely going after return, you'd probably pursue equities, because while they don't always pay high dividends or yield, mm-hmm. studies have shown that it's really not about yield. If, if you, what you're worried about is putting the most amount, the largest amount of money in your pocket in the end, instead of yield, you can sell a stock. If it goes up in value, you'll have more money. It's that simple, right? Let's say that a lot of stocks don't pay any dividend these days, um, even through the greatest bull market we had in the, you know, particularly in the tech stocks and the the growth stocks, a lot of them weren't even paying dividends, but they were returning phenomenal returns for some time. Yeah, right. So, you know, really as an investor, you should be indifferent to dividends and or in, with with regard to the income that you that you receive if you're looking at total return. 
I have $100,000. I'd like to turn it into a million dollars. You shouldn't care how that, how you get it to a million dollars, whether it was paid through dividends, through interest payments, um, mm-hmm. or or the just the sure uh, the share price increase to to get you that million dollars. You then have to consider the tax component. So, hey, one method on an after-tax basis may be better than another. Capital gains have been taxed more efficiently or at a lower rate, at least in recent times, than ordinary income produced by taxable bonds, as an example. Right. But you could go with tax-free bonds, yep. municipal bonds. And if you're in a high enough bracket, that may make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So what am I saying? Ethan? Does it sound like I'm going in circles here, or are we making some progress? I think you're about to, to cut through it all and, and get to the main thing. And that's what you've been waiting for? No, I've been with you the whole time. Oh, okay. Well... If, so if you're listening out there, it's just something that we see. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, you may be wondering, is it is a mistake that, that I see a lot of people make. They, sure. get, they get their eyes focused like the uh, the siren, siren singing the song or whatever. They get mesmerized by this high yield or whether it's a high st- dividend stock or high interest paying debt instrument. Yeah. And our job as advisors, <clears throat> we can't control every whim or emotion that someone has, but we can certainly try to put, you know, if you're going to ride a, a, a motorcycle, we can certainly as an advisor say, well, we can't talk you out of that, but could you put on, maybe you want to put on a helmet. And here's what the statistics show about that. It reduces your chance of dying if you do get an accident by 70%. Ethan, we got to, unfortunately, we got to take a, a, a break. Every time I'm making a serious point here. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come right back. We'll talk to finish this. All right. Bye. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Papasilli, radio to thrive by. 
Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend in the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Ethan Broga here, Empirical Investing Radio, alongside Ken Smith. Uh, Ken, just before the break, we were talking about... um, you know, uh, yields on bonds, and we had talked about the difference between uh, high-yield bonds, and we were just looking at the, the IBOX shares, the high-yield uh, high ETF from, from iShares. Current yield, 7.8 versus the, the five-year treasury, which is very, very low. Um, looking at that at 0.89%, so an enormous spread between the two. Huge spread. And we were talking about you know why wouldn't why wouldn't you just all of a sudden put all your money in that thing? You know, money you previously had in treasuries. Why wouldn't you just throw it all into the high yield? And you had a, an interesting analogy about riding a motorcycle. You know? Well, right. If you if you and I, just so for the motorcycle riders out there, I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'd be the last guy to uh, to uh, discourage that. I, I love motorcycles. I ride motorcycles myself. Yep. You've probably seen me either. I have. And uh, I know you've been itching for a ride yourself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Just got to hang on tight. Indeed. Because I go fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, that's here nor there. You, you know, if, 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 I, if I was in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the business of advising people how to reduce risks of dying prematurely, right. there are certain things I would say. And I, I would say, hey, look, riding a motorcycle certainly is going to increase your chance of dying prematurely over driving in a car with a seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to, you know, and a lot of times, uh, though, there is an enjoyment that I get from riding a motorcycle on occasion. I don't do it, drive it as a main mode of transportation. Sure. That, for me, it the risk is there, but uh, it's worth it for me. You know, it's such a something that I'm passionate about that it's worth that, that extra level of risk. However, I do wear my helmet. Um, now here there's a helmet law mm-hmm. but uh i do wear one and, and as an advisor my analogy was hey my job would be to say well if you're gonna wear one wear you know bright clothing at night make sure everything's working get your you know your tires at the right pressure put on a helmet um take a safety course if you haven't you know and understand uh that you, how to control your bike uh, through various there's certain things that you can do to try to lower your risk if you do get into an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be my job, right, if, if, if all things. And I feel a lot of times that's how we work as, as advisors. Um, we can't 
not everybody wants to follow every piece of advice. There's some thrill or there's something in their mind that they want to get to. But I certainly would say as an example, hey, I, I know you. we had you in treasuries, and now the treasuries are yielding very virtually nothing or, or a very low rate currently. Yep. Um, but a treasury versus a single high-yield bond or a local investment that's paying out a high-yield, they're two different worlds. And sometimes there's risk there that you shouldn't get rewarded for or that just should be diversified away. And so one step would be, hey, at least if you buy the a, a diversified ETF or a fund like the one we're talking about, and I'm not recommending it, I'm just using it as an example, mm-hmm. uh, at least you're getting diversification. So instead of one bond or high-yielding preferred stock, you're getting some level of diversification and someone who's kind of tracking the the, the bonds in that portfolio as a step or a means of reducing. Now, during the tough times, that bond fund dropped significantly when when we went through the financial crisis. High-yield bonds declined in value. That's right. Um, that's, that's, that's the, that's the uh, essence of, of them. So if you own those uh, or any high-yielding instrument, you can't just focus on – it wouldn't be prudent to just focus on the yield, right? It's really not. We, then we'd all go out and buy, you know, the Greek bonds right now, right? They're right. paying 30%. So if you are willing to take risk, now that you're recognizing that there is a risk difference between owning a treasury and owning a high-yield bond or preferred stock or any or stock that pays a high dividend, mm-hmm. we talked about how ridiculous some of those articles were that were trying to compare the difference. Well, no, that, I mean... Uh, you can't take a treasury and compare it to a stock in terms of r- without accounting for the risk. Right. So the reason primarily you would have bonds in your portfolio in a lot of cases is to have something that's more stable. If it was pure high, high return, you would have more stock uh, if you were following logic because if the stock market goes away and everything collapsed, if you're a doomsday, right, it's highly likely that the bond that that IBM put out isn't going to be around if IBM goes out of business and the stock goes to zero. Right. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many Enron bonds actually paid out. Uh, at some point, there, there's a risk there. So yeah, you, you have to look at it that way and say, hey, is this Apple's? Why, why do I have these bonds? And, and then if you do and you say, well, I'm willing to take more risk now, than I was before with this portion of my portfolio to bring that yield up, the exercise should then be, well, now now I should look at the entire menu of risky assets. Um, sometimes as, as individuals, psychologically, we get linked, we get onto one track, um, but then we don't approach it from a prudent perspective because we're anchored on to how we got to that track. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to kind of de-anchor yourself and say, well, what if I was starting all over again with cash and I was going to build a diversified portfolio? How would I do that? And what would each component, what role would each component play in that portfolio? And how do they all react together? Right. That's a big deal, right? So what good does it do to have a 7% yield on a, on a bond uh, if at the end of a period of time um, it was meant to be my safe money? And it lost money instead. Yeah, because it goes down in value. Yeah. Yep. 
that wouldn't have really served its purpose if that element was the one element that was supposed to be rock solid and not depreciate in value. And it would be naive and I think a little bit ignorant if not knowing your history if you said, well, geez, it's not. I'm just guaranteed I'm going to get my 7% over whatever the time frame. When it hasn't been that long since it's dropped 30%. We've already been, we've already gone through it. Not too long ago, right? Right. Just like it would be naive to go go on uh, if if we learned anything about the real estate bubble, it would be naive to go on in, throughout the rest of our lives thinking that well we buy real estate and it always goes up, no matter what. It never goes down. It never pauses. It just goes up. Mm-hmm. I always make money in real estate, no matter what. That'd be kind of naive. Sure. Particularly given that you have a recent, it wasn't that there wasn't examples of real estate going down. It's just the recent example has been a very, very dramatic experience that's been on a broader sense around the country in, in a lot of cases. Um, and you know what I'm saying? I do. I think you do, and I, I think you like it. <laughs> so what would you do? Okay, you know, maybe a framework would be I have a bond component in my portfolio, and it's there for primarily for risk reduction uh, away from aggressive things like equities right REITs mm-hmm. that that can go down 40% in a year um, I don't want my bond portfolio to do that but maybe I'm not excited about these tre- getting virtually no yield either yeah so maybe at times where the credit spreads are wide you know that there's a premium for extending the credit I start instead of going from all treasuries uh, or cash to high yield, maybe there's a progression. So we are modeling bond portfolios in our firm that say, hey, we have a kind of a standard bond model that we designed that gave a good balance of risk and return when you combined it with equities. Right. Um, over time, it had a various functions that provided a good diversification away from equities. When equities were really struggling, it did... it. So rather than just buy three-month treasury bills, right? We've got treasuries. We've got some tips, inflation-protected treasuries. We've got some credits, shorter-term credits, investment grade uh, on average. Yep. Uh, and they're all mixed in. But if I was going to change that, and we're looking at this, you know, what, maybe what I would do is adjust the investment grade component first and wait towards that. And less of the treasuries as an example. Yeah, there's really, you know, pick up yield, you really have to do one of two things, right? You got to either extend maturities or drop in credit quality. That's right. Those are really your, your two choices. And uh, you know, you got to weigh to those risks. So you might start migrating and you could come up with a series of portfolios, starting with, you know, one being kind of, hey, in our view, our number one or kind of neutral model is, Hey, we take a look at the bond market. There's a certain amount of treasuries in it. There's a certain amount of credits. Mm-hmm. Um, we add, we take that kind of mix as a neutral position, and then we add in some tips, some inflation protection. Um, now, if I want to take some additional credit risk, I could start to overweight to the investment credits, maybe add a small amount of high yield into the portfolio, up to several notches up where... Um, it's it's got high yield. Maybe it's got some emerging markets data in it, right. which is going to be wor- very volatile at times, particularly yep. if it's unhedged to the currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe that's done in in light of my equity 
decision. How much equities am I exposing myself to? So would I lower my equity allocation if I was in a very, very aggressive bond? If I was all high-yield bonds uh, and then I was on the other half equities, should I consider that at all? Yeah, I think I think you probably should, right? I mean, you yeah. know that you know high yield, right, is very highly correlated to stock, so you got to find some balance of risk and return that's right for you. Well, then let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll come back on this, and then we'll move on to the client question. Sounds good. All right, thanks. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. I'm your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith, CEO of Empirical Wealth Management. Ken, thanks for that uh, invigorating discussion on the bonds. Appreciate that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know that. It was exciting. A lot of good stuff. Just a couple of wild and crazy guys here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, what should we do next? we move on to a, a question, um, or should we talk about the day-to-day news stuff we, we hear about? Let's uh, do this question, because I'm intrigued, and I, I think it's something that uh, we might want to tackle. You know, grab the bull by the horns, as it were. 
I'm waiting for the sound effect on that. <laughs> uh, you, right. I know you are. Yep, and I'd love to, uh, but you're not going to get it. All I'm right, leave you hungering for it. Well, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on the on the question that we were talking about before the show, uh, which was, um, you know, sometimes in in, in initial client meetings, um, you know, uh, or, or prospect meetings, folks, this is the initial first meeting I, I I have sometimes with folks, and I get the question, and within a couple of minutes of of uh, meeting with this person or or people on occasion, as to hey, what would you do? You know, what would you do for me? What allocation should I be in? Or what would the mix be? Or, you know, get to some very specific answers right away. Very quickly, right? And I, exactly. Like the Roadrunner here. Um, and I'm always taken a little bit back by that because, you know, I, I know, their, you know their first name perhaps and maybe a few other small details. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know enough to make a qualified recommendation. And so uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, if I would like to call out if you're if you're listening and you're an individual uh, and you've asked that question or you've determined it what is it you're really trying to get at I think as advisors I'd, I'd love to know um, what 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 you're trying to get at with that because in our view Ethan and I'll mm-hmm. give you my shot on this it's it, it's kind of interesting when I don't if I went into the doctor's office I have no medical credentials at all so if I said well doc before he's even had a chance to ask me any questions, look at me, and I'm going to give you some basic details. I'll tell you that, hey, my throat hurts or whatever. What What do you recommend? What would you do for me? Um, I'm not, I haven't decided I'm even going to work with you yet, though, Doc, but I want to know what you do for me. What would you do to me? Right. Um, what would you prescribe, or how would you do that? Well, it seems a little odd to me when I haven't even asked this guy, has he graduated medical school? Where did he go to medical school? What kind of continuing education does he do? What's his his viewpoint or philosophy about medicine? You know, is it is it is he one of those homeo 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 what <laughs> homeopathic uh, homeopathic is it right? you know is Naturopath? there certain naturopath whatever. whatever it is uh, what 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 are your what is your philosophy about all of that? Um, how can I make a determination on his suggestion? As being the way I would pick him as a doctor, because why would I, if I'm there to get help, how do I know that this, that his recommendation makes any sense? So if he says, well, here's what I would do, I would cut out your throat, and I'd put a tube in there, or, you know, I, I cut, well, am I supposed to go, well, geez, I'm not going to pick him for that, that that's ridiculous, you know. Uh, that's, not the, that's not what I would have prescribed for myself, so I'm out of here. Or, hey, we're taking out your tonsils. Um, yeah. First or, thing, right? Or, hey, just take this magic pill, or whatever. I, I don't know, and it is kind of interesting. This is just a side how we go to the doctor, and I don't know that I usually get a big resume and re- hey, give me three references. And um, <laughs> this is a guy that's dealing with our health here. Yeah. He's prescribing stuff. I, I I don't know if you do that. Do you go in and go, hey, can I get th- some references? And I need to see your resume. And I um, and what would you do for me? And before you ever 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 even agree to see the guy, by nature of him being a doctor in a doctor's office. Somehow, most of us, I think, have some trust that this guy must know what he's doing. I don't ever hardly ever even see uh, the, the the degree in the wall anymore when I go to the doctor. Right? I'm in the little waiting room, and yeah. So, but um, anyway, in my analogy, Ethan, I I would think that it would be more important uh, rather than I mean, and unless you're testing the advisor to see if he'll give you an answer, and if he does, my view would be he's probably not that good of an advisor. He's really anxious to get a sale going. He just wants you to, you know, 
hey, if, if I come up with the right answer here, this person's going to work with me and we can get on to me earning my fees or s- selling them a product or whatever it's going to be. Right. We can shortcut right to um, the Senate paperwork and all that. Yeah. Let's just shortcut all this and it's all done. And in reality, that's not what we should be getting paid for is off the cuff. And it also d- diminishes the value of what we do. Right. I, I, people who are out there doing that. I would say real and perceived, right? It's, it's both. I mean, you're making recommendations based on less than uh, enough information. That's a problem for both both people involved in that. My right? doctor analogy, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I would think that there'd be some malpractice issues with that. You know, or they wouldn't be, if that was as, as detailed as they want. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't tell me a thing. Just take this. Right. Well, okay. you, Doc, you can look at me. Next, see how next please. <laughs> next. That'd be odd, right? That'd be very odd. I, I think it would be odd. Like, hey, well, you, you see me. You know how old I am, you know, and I, I give you a few. You, you're col- collecting some basic information about. No, a lot of times they want to ask a series of questions and get a little bit about, hey, your history. And I always get asked if I'm, hey, are you allergic to anything and all this kind of jazz. And I'm just saying in, a, in our profession, if you're out there looking for an advisor, you somehow are being pitched something. There are some logical questions that I would ask that are far, far more important than, well, what would you do for me? Uh, but many times, that's what we get asked. It gets We skipped right to, well, what would you do for me? What allocation? I'm not really sure how that helps you make a, a decision, unless you're just there to waste the advisor's time and try to get some free advice. And then I get it, I guess. Um, but if you are, that's kind of a little bit odd. Um, and... That's really not the value anyway. Even if he gave you the right answer, maybe it was just by luck. Mm-hmm. The allocation that, that you threw out was the one that ultimately, if you went through a, a thorough process, would have got you would have gotten to anyway. It's, and I think you know, Ethan, you can you can dive in here at any point. Uh, what goes on throughout the course of the next twenty years that you're working with this person, right? Hopefully, or longer. That's where the value is. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's got to be more about the method and, and the expertise and the credentials that the advisor brings to the relationship to help you make consistently smart financial choices. It isn't exactly what the choices are in the end game. It doesn't matter if it's 60-40 portfolio or 50-50 portfolio, whether you have in longer-term care insurance or not. But as long as you, you, you discovered what is correct for that specific person along the way, the ultimate advice is less important. It's how you get to the right answers is the most, most important thing, the most valuable thing in my, my view. So again, it's the method and also being, you know, is the advisor experienced in this area, right? Uh, the credentials and so forth. And do I, do I think that this advisor is, is he just trying to sell me something? Is there actually meaning behind what he's trying to do? He's actually really trying to provide a service to me that I can't do myself. And those are the important things in my view and isn't specifically the answers to the question. Because um, those will come in time with the correct analysis and process. How would you determine, Maes, if we were working together, this might be a good, a better alternative question. If I agree to work with you, Ethan, mm-hmm. and and your firm, how would you determine what the right mix of investments would be for me? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, we we have to do a thorough analysis. Let's let's take a look at the inventory, your specific uh, investments, your savings plan. Take a look at where you're currently allocated, what you've done so far. Now, take a look at what we call it your risk capacity and risk tolerance, right? Risk tolerance is your sort of your emotional attitude toward economic risk, and then your capacity, which is your economic circumstances and desires and things. And and some of those things, when we had the CEO of Finance where Dave Loper on the show a couple weeks ago, and uh, some of those things might entail, well, do we 
automatically put you in a in an asset allocation that um, matches your highest level of tolerance for risk. Right. So if I throw out a sixty forty, I mean, I, I might the real value is not going well. You need X percent out of the portfolio, and I know this one's generated this return over the last X in history. So I say that one. That's the winner. Uh, well, no. And how can we truly assess your risk tolerance without some questions? Right. Um, so whether it's us talking more about what risk really means to you, or us using a a academic a, a sound or or a empirically tested risk tolerance questionnaire of some sort mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that it's sound and asking relevant questions to get to the bottom of that. And in my view, it requires both. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even know what that risk tolerance is, so we could throw out an asset allocation, but there are other options that should be discussed, and that's the benefit of an advisor. What if your What if your tolerance really, when we dug into it, was was something that wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't have more than forty percent stock, but what you're demanding out of the portfolio require, would would be historically something that was a seventy percent stock portfolio. Does the conversation end? Are we not a good advisor because we can't we can't get you into the right you know allocation? Yet we wouldn't normally go, hey, seventy thirty is what you need, Bob. <laughs> you got to get this amount of return, and this is the one historically that's done it. The real work is going. Well, geez, you need 73 returns, but after thorough analysis, you've got 40, 40% equity risk, risk tolerance. tolerance right. um, but are there any other options? Could we save more? Could we work a little longer? Could we sacrifice other goals? Which, by the way, we need to know what all those goals are. That's right. Um, and, just, the pr- and the pros priority as well. Yeah. Because in all reality, saying, I want to pull out X amount of my portfolio... Um, is your amount that you want, say it's a million-dollar portfolio, and you want 5%, you're like, hey, I just want $50,000 out of this thing a year. Well, let's talk about that 50 you know, or 100 whatever it is you want to take out. Mm-hmm. Do we want to leave zero at the end when you retire or when you die? Right. Or do you want to leave a million? Do you want to leave half a million? All that could play a role in, in what the asset allocation is, right? Exactly. So if anyone can sit there with and ask you just a couple of questions and then spit out some kind of an investment recommendation on asset allocation, my advice would be get out of there as quickly as possible. we got to take a quick break, Ethan. Right. Brace yourself because we'll be back for one more segment. Let's do it. Let's do it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to empirical investing radio with ken smith and co-host ethan broga to call into the program with a question or comment please dial 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 you may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com now back to ken and ethan all right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is our last segment of the day. That's and, good stuff. Uh, Ethan and I were just talking about client question, and we've had this uh, occur. If you're an advisor, you've probably had this, and so we're just sharing, brainstorming here um, as to why it's really not, if you are an advisor, you shouldn't be, in my view, giving out um, recommendations on asset allocations or investment strategies and within the first meeting of a client with based on some very uh, surface-level discussion. It it should be something where there's a more thorough investigation going on of uh, past investment experience, knowledge, history, um, the needs, all the different goals, not just, well, I want to pull out this lump sum total. Yeah, but which one of those could be changed or sacrificed? Um, If it's all one lump sum, we don't know. Um, and ultimately, you want to have an investment strategy that if things do get off the rails, and we've had some pretty, I mean, imagine if you were retiring in 1999. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people were. Um, and you didn't have your investment strategy locked down, ironclad solid, and said, hey, what if the market does this or that? Are we, you know, first of all, are we can even be diversified properly. But if we are, what happens when the market does this or that? You know, have we have we really divided up our income needs and and, and understood which areas have flexibility, which don't? Um, because you know, we might come to a different conclusion about our asset allocation and what really the risks are, what our real worries and concerns are. And oftentimes, Ethan, once we've done this, how many times do clients wind up being in the same asset allocation that they were in before they they engaged? us as a professional advisor 
And of all the things that we may, uh, there may be any kind of a conflict in any financial practice, um, there's one thing I'm sure of is that we don't get paid more or less, whatever the asset allocation is, if it's 60-40 or 40-60 or whatever that is, at least in the near term, we're not sitting there going, hey, if we can sell somebody into that. Um, <laughs> of course, right. So the change, there's no incentive there for us to come up. It just naturally happens that way. Um, and I would say, in my experience, it's happened in the 90% plus range of people that there's some asset allocation change there because they didn't really have much thought about it. Yeah, nothing, no, no real a, analysis or, like you say, thought went into the overall allocation to begin with most of the time. It's kind of like, oh, I think I'll just do this. And sometimes, Ethan, I think that question is also a, a question about the market and where the market's at. Maybe more than even, they're not even thinking about their personal circumstances. Right. Could be, yeah. But they're evaluating you as a professional, not on your experience, credentials, or what other clients are saying, but where you where you think the market's going. And therefore, the question is, where would you be right now in an asset allocation? Right, I see. Which, in our world, is a little foreign, because we don't think of it that way. We think you should never have more stocks than then you are willing to accept risk, regardless of how good of a time it is to invest in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Right? That's correct. I mean, we think it's the best time ever to invest in the stock market. There's no way of guaranteeing that. So if you need the money in one year from now, uh, there's no way we're ever going to say, put it all in stocks, because <laughs> that's the asset allocation I'm recommending to all my clients. Right, right. Uh, some advisors do do that. That is and true. It's a horrible thing, and it's not empirically backed. There's no, that's a, it's, it's just not a way to run uh, an investment strategy. Right. Which leads me into my thing, my our next topic, Ethan, with the last few minutes, okay. uh, which is why don't we pay attention to the market news? I don't know if I just answered it or stole the thunder. Or, you might have a but, little bit. Um, do you want to you deep dive in on that? Oh, yeah, we can talk about it. I mean, looking at the day-to-day news, um, you know, it may be interesting. It may be captivating. Um, and certainly the headlines intriguing. Are, written, are, are written to be intriguing, eye-catching, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, clearly most titillating. Most news organizations are really in the business of selling their news, and so they got to be, you know, pretty pretty exciting with the headlines and things like that. Um, but really, I'm not sure the day to day what the relationship is between the news and the stock market. I mean, yeah, you know, it's only after some sizzle, right? It's only after the fact stuff. I mean, the market does does this zigs and zags, and then they got to. Somehow, with hindsight, you know, uh, put a reason together, right? And if they can get a reason together that's uh, sensationalistic, that gets you to tune in and read their articles and then click on their advertisements. That's the job. They did a did well job. Job well done. Yeah, it isn't like it's uh, uh, really meant to be a, uh, you know, a very valuable service there. It, it purely is information. It certainly is not knowledge, right? Um, no, it's not any knowledge at all. And, and it, that's my issue. I mean, the news networks financial news networks they're fine at disseminating current market information and if that's what you take it as i i'm happy you know with with those those sites the websites the, the networks um if it's taken though to be investment advice or you're watching like kramer's show or whatever and you think that that's real investment advice calling in and going well, what do you think about this stock um, man, you're 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 in the wrong you're in the wrong strategy there. Missing the boat a little bit. Yeah, a lot more to it than that. And you know, going back a little bit, sort of back to our, our, 
our previous conversation. You're going to get hammered. It really has a lot to do with your, your need, ability, and willingness to take a risk. And uh, I was thinking back about um, some folks I helped recently um, with an hourly engagement, hourly financial plan. And the, the, the main concern that I got out of going through the process that I had was, man, they have way too much stock. And they weren't looking for ongoing investment advice. They were really just looking for a retirement plan advice. Hey, how to how to structure things, and hey, when should I take Social Security? How, what's my Roth conversion strategy? All that other things. Other things. They felt like they had the uh, you know the investments wrapped up just right. And my my view was after going through there now, going through all the paperwork and all the the data of their situation, it really turned out where, to my view, you're taking on way too much risk to, to achieve what you want to achieve. Right. You don't need to be seventy percent stocks. You can you can be forty percent stocks and and achieve everything you wanted wanted to wanted to achieve, um, most likely. And in fact, it'd give you a much more higher prob- higher probability of, of success in doing that. Um, so I, I wanted to make that point clear that hey, it's one of those things that you need to take a look at in terms of going through our process and listening to the advice of an advisor. You know, the market's been down twenty percent here recently. It's been I'm sure tougher on them than. You know, they may be expected, and they're also the type of folks who wanted to, were chasing yield too, and things. And it isn't it isn't a great situation, right? You're taking on a lot of risk, like extending maturities, or buying junk bonds, or buying tons of foreign bonds uh, in junk status, and then also throwing on the fire of that with lots of equity when you don't need to take the risk. And while while most most of us as individual investors don't put a lot of time into developing sound financial planning and sound investment investment plans, right? investment policies that really um, are thoughtful relative to our specific situation. We do uh, allow ourselves to spend time reading these, these articles on these news sites or watching the news networks. And that gets us absolutely nowhere closer to making smart decisions or reaching our financial goals at all. The the real time should be spent, if anything, working with an advisor or working on yourself to to get these bigger picture decisions made. Right. Ethan, we we're out of time. Okay. Uh, this is such good stuff. I hate to stop, but we've got to go. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in again. Contact us if we can help. One eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven. Contact at empiradio.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next next week. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.